I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. In today's episode, we are talking with Kevin Garcia. Kevin is a digital pastor and an intuitive soul coach. They help people heal spiritual wounds, create new practices for a healthy life, practice radical honesty, and avoid spiritual burnout. Kevin is also an Enneagram type eight and just a gem of depth and soul. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for asking me and thanks for um, thanks for spending time with me. Yeah, I am so pumped. Right beforehand, we were talking and I was like, you know, it feels a little bit like Groundhog Day, but today mm-hmm. I get to talk with Kevin. So yeah. I'm, I'm mad. Yeah, it's been Groundhog's Day for me too. And so I'm actually trying to book more calls like this with different people because like it's it, bra- it really does break up my day interacting mm-hmm. with people who I don't normally. So um, call me. We'll all get on podcast together. <laughs> call me, please. Someone call me. <laughs> Anybody, please call me. Oh, hang please hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> um, okay, so as you know, we start every episode with Rose, Bud, and Thorn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are your Rose, Bud, and Thorn today? Rose, Bud, and Thorn. I'm going to do reverse because like, I like to start with the sucky things and end with the things I'm looking forward to. Just mindset thing. Um, it's, uh, Thorn has been recently my my gas got turned off because of some clerical error in, in the people who were supposed to be doing my, uh, you know, keeping my, my heat on. And then it got really, really cold and they couldn't turn it on for like another three days. And so I had like five days of just freezing cold house, like 50 degrees inside the house, electric blankets, heaters, my dog sleeping in the bed with me, um, which was kind of sweet, but also, I'm I'm not the kind of person who likes my dog to sleep in the bed with me. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the thorn, but it got resolved. It was fine. Rose, good thing that's going on. Um, I'm really uh, digging my my yoga practice right now. It's uh, been the thing that's kept me healthy and sane for the past year, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so proud of myself for keeping up with it. Um, and I think the thing I'm looking forward to is getting a... Can I cuss on this channel? Can I cuss here? Yes. Um, I can't wait to get a fucking vaccine in my arm. <laughs> I cannot wait for the, the clubs to open up. I cannot wait to go to dance parties. I cannot wait to be a ratchet hoe on the dance flow. <laughs> oh, all that is within me craves that. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do know what you're saying. Oh, I say all the time, like, I can't, I just can't wait. I can't wait for that vaccine. I've never, I've never, I don't think I've ever had like a, a flu vaccine, although I will probably start now, but this one, I'm like, put it in my arm. I'm ready to go. Put it in my arm post haste. (laughs) Um, and like my mom is over here. Like, I'm like, mom, you're over 60. Like, and you also live with someone who's over 90. So that technically means you're in the at-risk group because you care mm-hmm. for somebody, which means you need to get the shot. And like, if yeah. I, if my mom can get, if my mom can get it, I would just, uh, it would be one thing I could breathe a little bit about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one day at a time, one day at a time, you got a new administration, happy second day of new administration. Mm-hmm. Yes. We were recording this on the, on a beautiful day. Mm. you know, where we've all just finally got to breathe. Mm. Even just for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, 
you touched on something that is in a second, I want to ask you like how you found your Enneagram type and la la la, but mm-hmm. we already know you're an Enneagram eight. So I think you touched on something with your mom that we don't really talk about with the eights, which is kind of like this mm. um, ownership, you know, like you, you really care about the people in your life. And it's like, right. um, I always think of it like, you know, like you're shepherding, <laughs> you know? Oh my and God. Like, yeah. That feeling of like over, you know, feel protective of the people you care about and, and yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that enough. Yeah. I think that's a misconception about eights a lot of times is that, I mean, any any number when they're unhealthy is gross. They're the worst. Like anybody who's unhealthy is, you know, unhealthy. Um, And when an eights can be really, really healthy and like tap, it's like this, um, at our best, we're loving and still not attached or like not domineering. It's like... Mm-hmm. I want you to know that if you want my support, I will give you my support 100%, but I'm not going to go where I'm not asked. And that Mm -hmm. is something I've had to learn. And so I can't like, you know, I can continue to encourage my mom to like do these things. But at the same time, I have to recognize she's a grown ass woman. Everybody's there's their own person. If she don't want to do that, you know, whatever. If any of my friends don't want to do the right thing, quote unquote. I got to recognize I am in charge of my damn self. And once once you can let go of the need to control everybody's business, ugh, makes life so much easier. It's hard. Mm. What, what, like, where's that breaking, like, where's that um, point for you where you're like, oh, I'm starting to feel pulled in the direction of, like, wanting to take charge or take over? Mm-hmm. And how are you going to bring yourself back? Right. I I think for my way of moving through the world, at least in the past, especially in the past year, since my uh, my mindfulness and meditation practice has been like the thing I've probably honed in on the most, is I have to recognize that when I try to cling to anything – when I try to like hold fast to something, to the way things are or the way things I think they should be, it causes me to suffer. It causes me to be unhappy. It causes me to sometimes even act outside of my integrity because I will, I, because I love this person and I know what's best for you and I can show you the right way. And I'm like, oh my God, Kevin, where did you learn that behavior? You learned that from your religion growing up, mm-hmm. that you are here to show people that you are in charge, that you know the best way, which is like, you know, granted as an eight, like my ego says, well, of course I know the best way. I'm, I'm an eight. Of course I know. It's like, <laughs> but it's also just like, it's at the same time, it doesn't matter if you know the best way. It doesn't matter because what does that person think? They think they've got the best way. Oh, wow. Guess what, Kevin? You're not original in your thoughts at all. So it's like, let treat people like adults, you know, if they're an adult, obviously, but treat people with the same autonomy that you seek for yourself and, you know, treat them like maybe they are just as smart as you assume the best maybe rather than it's like only expecting the worst. And that is like a mind shift for me. I think the breaking point is like, um, I will, I don't ever want to like control anybody anymore. I think it's a matter of like, now where I'm at is like, I got to recognize I'm not everyone's pastor. I'm not everybody's coach. I will not go where I am not asked anymore. Um, And that just saves me a whole ton of energy. I can still speak out against bullshit and injustice. And, you know, you stand up for like my people, 
but I'm not trying to control control anybody or their thoughts anymore or how they think. I'm just being very clear about boundaries, really. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting um, that distinction between like I'm being clear about boundaries versus I'm not trying to control how you think. Because I think that that's, you know, I... I'm not, I don't identify as type eight, but I have a very strong type eight wing. And, um, I want people to think like I think, because I've decided mm-hmm. that it's a <laughs> thing. Yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, but like pulling back on that and being like, letting people have their process, um, mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah. Especially when you've walked through a lot of stuff, I think. Uh, for me as like a queer human and queer person of faith, you know, having to walk through a lot of the shit that I did is like, no, 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 I can see it. You're doing the same thing I did. You don't have to suffer that way if you don't want to. Um, but the thing about paths is that you can't walk a path for anybody else. And so in my work, a lot of times is like, I'm merely here to make suggestions. It's like, I can see what you're doing there. And I guess this is like my work as a coach. Um, has really taught me how to let go of control because some of my clients, I'm just like, oh my God, you just won't do the fucking thing you're supposed to do. You're right there. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I was, I was like, oh, Kevin, th- don't you realize just like you, when you realized you were there, you realized it and you didn't have somebody yelling at you. You know, it's a moment that they have to find in their own. So why are you, you know that they're, you know, they're already there. So stop freaking out about it. They're in God's hands, if you will, you know? So it's, um, that's what I have to like, kind of, I, uh, I don't know. It's where I hang my hat so I can, you know, have less stress in my life (laughs) because the, you know, as if the world isn't already stressful. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, that eight energy is so powerful and like, change making that when it's used in the right places can create really big impacts mm-hmm. in really ways. And I imagine when we're using it, expending that energy in places that are just exhausting you, it's not ultimately going to have the impact that you crave. Exactly. You're not, cause like, that's what you got to ask yourself is what do I really want here? Because what you think, you know, this is like, you know, what the ego, my ego would say, oh, I want to be in control because if I'm in control, I can help people. And if Mm -hmm. I can help people, then I'm good. You know, if I can defend people, then I'm good. If I can also, because really it's like, I defend people because I feel completely defenseless myself. You know, I do not feel safe. So therefore I got to take it out on the rest of the world. What kind of work did you have to do in your life to get to the point where you could say that sentence? Ooh, I mean, I've been in, I've been in therapy for the past three years, so that's one part of it. Um, so that was a big aspect was just being in a safe environment to cry. Like mm-hmm. uh, me, me and my therapist appointments are mostly me allowing, like, getting to the space where I can finally sob a little bit and get those really big feelings out. Um my therapist is a a magician. I don't know how she does it every time. (laughs) Um, I think that, I think that coupled with like my spiritual practices. um, And then I also, I'm a, I'm a person who studies uh, this thing. It's a metaphysical text called A Course in Miracles. And I've been working with it for a year and a half now. And what it basically says is that any sort of uh, 
defense I have against somebody else is actually an attack because I am forgetting that I am completely protect. I like who I truly am could never be assailed by something in the outside world, by another person's opinion, by another person's actions. It really brought me back to the autonomy of myself and my thoughts to really say, oh, these thoughts, these feelings I had about like needing to be safe without realizing the truth of I already am. Yeah. And it, it really does like when you now granted, if you grow up in traumatic places and traumatic spaces, if you grow up in unsafe places, your body, your mind might know you're safe, but your body doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so the work um, that I've had to do um, has been in like deprogramming the negative, the negative bullshit talk I was giving myself, the scripts I was handed. Um, and also to notice, like be okay with like needing other people. Mm-hmm. Like, just to admit, like, it's like, it's almost like uh, I was holding up a sword and like fighting everyone and was like, Kevin, no one asked. It's like the Don Quixote. Like, no one asked Don Quixote to go out there and do all that shit to go mm-hmm. fight a windmill, you know, <laughs> in his delusion. And so it's like the same thing. It's like, who's asking you to do this? Who's asking you to be this strong? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody's asking you to do this. You would never ask this of anybody else. You right. stupid, you stupid idiot. <laughs> um, not don't, don't, if you heard that and you, you felt a little twint, I'm joking um, because that's how I talk to myself sometimes. And then I have to say, nope, I'm not an idiot. I'm actually quite smart. And I actually have like an old script in my head that says you're stupid. And so I actively talk back to it. So to answer the question from the original, what did I have to do? Therapy, uh, finding a physical and mental practice, like a stillness practice and a movement practice and time Mm -hmm. because really like it's really it's a it's comes down to practicing kindness towards myself and compassion towards myself that's it sounds so stupid and basic but compassion is a practice and the kind of compassion that transform your life has to be a practice if you want your life to you know if you want to shake the shit off i think that's a really important word compassion because with our eights, like so many eights that I meet, right? The confidence mm-hmm. is there. So a lot of times when I'm like, you need to, you know, like work on softening with yourself, work on um, being gentler with yourself. And they're like, I love myself. Um, and it's like, yes. And I, but I think mm-hmm. the, there's that important distinction. There's a difference between compassion and confidence. Yeah. And and I'm I'm curious if you have that distinction, if you mm-hmm. can exp- have experienced that. Yeah, there is, I think this, that's exhibited a lot in like the unhealthy eight, like that confidence of, no, 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 I get it. I love myself. I can do anything I want. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, you can do it. That is so true. You can do anything you want. Now, are you going to do the things that are actually going to lead you back to yourself, back to your, to ha- are you going to do the things that are going to lead to your happiness or are you going to continue to do the actions that lead you back into the same patterns and (laughs) the same shit, you know, it's, um, and I think that's the thing is that an eight has to recognize in this. Let me say this for myself. I needed to recognize that there is nothing to do anymore. Like, that's the thing is like eights are just like, I have to do something about this. And it's like, yeah, sure all this external stuff, you think that if I can fix this external world, my insides will finally calm down. And it's the inverse. 
It's if I can change this inner world, if I can, you know, truly have, um, I don't want to say a mastery over my peace, but it's like, if I devote myself to taking care of this body, not just, I know it sounds so weird, but just like AIDS, we brutalize our bodies Mm -hmm. typically. Like we go, (laughs) we go too far, too fast, too soon all the time because we crave that intensity. They say that, you know, lust is our greatest sin or whatever, but it's like, it is literally just a craving for intensity because we feel we need our life to, I don't know, we just, it's, it's a craving. It's a longing for the intensity. It's a longing for expansion outward. And I just think that's a blessing of the eight. And to recognize, I feel like we're just told again and again and again, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And we just keep telling everybody else, no, the fuck we can. Yes, we can. I'm going to prove you wrong. And so it's always like, you know, our, we move through the world as if it's a defense against everything mm-hmm. rather than saying, you know, uh, what if I didn't do like something my therapist, my first therapist asked me is like, what does it look like for Kevin to not do something, to not be somebody, to not have to be in charge? And I literally looked him in the face and I said, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you like? No, like, I don't. And I literally said, that's not, that's not a thing. He's like, but what if I'm like, it can't be a thing because I've never not been anybody. And then as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I've never, oh, I'm afraid that I, I'm afraid that I am not somebody. And so I have to push this thing out into the world. So everybody knows that I'm somebody, but heaven forbid they ever get close to realize that I don't even think I know if I am somebody, but then you learn that you are. And then you can trust it um, and trust that that somebody is flawed, can fuck it up. Does And the thing is like, we have like, you know, when we're programmed by the world, we think that we have to be perfect, but that's not true. That's where we have to flip the script is that we think that we have to use our power for perfection. And in reality, we should be using our power to cultivate peace. Mm-hmm. And if you can cultivate that peace within yourself, knowing you're okay and using that power to talk back to your lovely, beautiful ego that's trying to keep you alive. Like, man, it's, it's really transformative. Um, so it's like, I don't think it's like, you know, if you love yourself, that's great. And also like, maybe just, you know, look in a mirror. <laughs> it's all, it all comes down to self-awareness. I think all eights need to see a therapist post-taste, but. Um, <laughs> all of us do. Yeah. All of us. I mean, I really think like mental health should be a human right. Oh my God. Yes. Healthcare. It should be included. It should be part of like your, like, you know, your like daily checkup of just Mm -hmm. like, so like, Hey, you know, how are you mentally? And if you say, well, I, you know, I've had struggling with this, like, Oh, do you need to go see a therapist? Cause like most people don't even recognize that that's still an option for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you touched on something a little bit ago. I kind of want to circle back to you, yeah. which is kind of that defensive stance. Mm-hmm. And one of the, you know, there's usually one or two sentences that I hear over and over and over again from different type structures. And the one for eight that I hear the most is, but what if they use it against me? Oh yeah. The fear of betrayal, baby. Yeah. And I'm so curious um, because I feel so much, I, it, as someone who's interacted with you in multiple different kind of formats, there's so much tenderness that I get from you. And I think you're, you're very like a, 
I think like you have this really cool balance of like honoring your strength as an eight while also doing your work. Mm. Um, and that tenderness I think can also feel like you're opening up room for someone to kind of come in and take from you or harm you. Right. How do you, how have you done some work around that? Uh, the first thing I'll say is thank you. I sometimes I don't see that for myself. So the fact that you see that is lovely to hear. I'm so happy um, because that's what I, I want. I try to be because I know, I think in, I know that in my past historically it was really easy for me to just pop off and be an asshole more. <laughs> um, and now I'm trying to, um, trying to pull something from our friend, the Nat Bishop, who says, I don't argue with anybody online. It is a waste of my energy. And I started saying that to myself this morning as I was clapping back against some people. And I was like, this is a waste of my time and energy. Don't do it. And then I went and did something else instead. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of emotional labor. Yes. And, and just, just to kind of like kind of go off on a segue for just one second. Sure. I think, that's kind of been my journey too, is like, am I, if I'm going to expend this emotional labor, I want it to have the most impact. So I expend that energy with my mom mm-hmm. or my grandmother or with people who I have like real life relationships with who are not voting the way that I vote, you know, and don't view things the way I view. We have like actual conversations where we can impact change mm-hmm. versus like me just kind of like spewing that energy out into a stranger on the internet that is 100 true my friend andre henry says kevin if arguing with your family um he's a black activist and so we were talking specifically around like racial issues mm-hmm. is like if you a conversation with your family is not going to result in more black lives being saved then don't waste your energy mm-hmm. and that's the same thing with with me i'm trying to do is like if this is not going to result in or at least move somebody closer to a sense that they could be more free. Um, if it doesn't move me closer to joy, pleasure, if it doesn't move my community closer towards liberation, then I need to really consider what I am doing. And also consider what is this going to do for my feels? Like, is this going to make me feel angry when I don't need to be over somebody? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, everyone's it's, I am now to the point where I don't like saying, oh, it's so hard. It's not hard. It's just, it's not difficult. It's different. And I think we just need to start telling ourselves, I just, this is a different way of doing it. And I can choose to engage differently now because it's Mm -hmm. not actually hard. It's just different. Um, So yeah, that's my little, that's my soapbox to myself. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And I think all of us have our own work around that, right? Like I know there are types who are listening who are learning to speak up more. And I think that's amazing too. Um, but I think there is something so powerful and important to even reiterate and touch on like that when you are kind of an aggressive type or an assertive type, like navigating, putting your energy in the place that will have the most impact. I think mm-hmm. if no one else takes anything away from this episode, oh, I feel like yeah. that in and of itself is like such gold mm-hmm. um, that you brought to us. So thank you. Listen, thank you. I'm glad you got that out of it because, like, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm very verbose. I'm trying to learn the art of uh, uh, saying more with less. Uh, no, you're gorgeous. You're perfect. Gorgeous. What were we talking uh, about just a second ago? Betrayal. Let's let's tackle the very yeah. betrayal and overcoming our fear of it. Yes, I didn't realize that the word betrayal was 
what I've been dealing with my entire life until I read, I think it was like the wretched roar text on mm-hmm. the Christian, uh, an Enneagram, a Christian perspective. Um, I think that's where I read it, but I could be wrong, but um, that would really re- resonated with me because I looked throughout my life um, and how I was like moving in relationships. And it was a constant state for me of just like, I will show who I am and then I'm shut down because of it. When I show who I am, it becomes unsafe for me. And so, you know, and it came from the people who were supposed to be the closest people to protect my family, my church. And so like, you know, for example, I could not be queer and in that space at the same time. And so thus I had to defend myself. I had to survive. And so I think that's how, you know, you know, moving through the world as an eight, I think that's how I learned how to survive was like, you know, uh, stick to, and so like, you know, in eights, when they do unhealthy, they, they moved to five. And so like, I understood and I could distance myself from my feelings and I got very cold and calculated about my own body and how I had to perform. And it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. doesn't matter what I'm thinking. It just matters that I survive. Um, and so it wasn't until I started doing my work later in life that it was like, oh, like that sh- as a child, I shouldn't have had to hide. Um, for f- I shouldn't have had to hide my bad grades for fear of getting a beating from my parents. You know, I shouldn't have had to hide the fact that I was queer for fear of being kicked out of the church. Um, and, and, you know, I should have had people standing up for me, but I didn't. And so now, because of that, I expect every other relationship to, in the end, act the same way. In the end, I cannot trust anybody to stand up for me. I cannot trust anybody to show up for me in the way that I need. I have to do this myself. I have to make sure that this is, I have to make sure I'm safe. And so that's really, it's a, it's a huge defense mechanism. And I, you know, don't fault anybody who's had to employ that. I think for eights and I think for myself, especially, uh, it was recognizing the truth that what I went through was terrible and not everybody's like that. And I had some really wonderful friends who, when I came out, really caught me and taught me what family was and taught me what friendship was and taught me what solidarity was. I'm talking like I had moved into a place. I, I, you know, got kicked out of mission missionary world, living in the basement with my friend, Casey, we were splitting a $300 a month rent in a tiny ass, gross ass basement apartment because that's how broke we both were. (laughs) And um, I got my car booted and I didn't have the money to get it unbooted. And then one of my friends invited me to brunch, paid for my brunch, and then handed me $200 in cash and said, hey, um, you're not alone. Oh, my God. And to this day, that person is my best friend in the whole wide world. And it was one of those things where that, that was the first time in my life where somebody showed me what it was to be there for someone selflessly. Mm-hmm. That. And also, this is a friend who, like, you know, we have fought before. Like, you know, we were roommates and then we were, you know, fought and then we did, weren't roommates and then we got back together. But it's one of those things where I've never feared being betrayed by him because we're always willing to show up and at least talk and at least work something out. Um, and so for me, it's like I, I'm still somebody who doesn't like my inner circle is tiny. The people I call, I, t- I tell everybody that I love them and I do. But that doesn't mean everybody my friend. Right. Everybody is my family, but not everyone's my friend. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that is how I kind of do it. It's like, I got it. Like the people who are closest to me, 
are the pe- are the only people who can hurt me. Yeah. And so I, I keep, I mean, it's a, not that I, I, I lack vulnerability or like I lack the ability to connect with others on a deep level. It's just that my expectations um, are that people are people and they have their trauma. And if they're going to do something to hurt me, it typically has something more to do with them. And so if I remember that, when I remember, like, you know, zoom out a little bit, it, you know, it's uh, less scary. Did that make sense? I feel like I said a whole lot of things. Yeah. What I heard in that was first you, you learned, you had, you were kind of in a situation where you were forced to receive love mm-hmm. and your love where you couldn't reciprocate. Like you couldn't be the strong one. You had to just be loved in your weakness. Yes. That's I had so powerful. Yeah. I had to get broke as a joke and have somebody show up for me to realize that like sometimes people show up. Yeah. They're going to show up. Yeah. Oh. And like and that, like boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, that everybody's not going to get that energy from you. Yeah. And it's okay. It's like, I, and this is the other part of it. The boundary is like, we got to understand that our energy is a finite resource and we can't keep pouring ourselves out. We want to save the world, but we ha- can only save ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, what it would, what is it like to allow yourself to be saved by others as well? You know, mm-hmm. and like, not even like in a way that is like, not even saved. What is it like to receive help? Like so many of us, we want to be strong. We think we need to do it on our own. And that's the lie of capitalism mm-hmm. that you are only as good as what you produce. You're only as good as how much money you make your own. And like, you're only as good as the labor that you can produce. And that is not true either. And so that bleeds over into our relationships of just like this exchange of like, you know, we think love is give and take when love actually is give and give, you know, it's like, I give to you and you give to me. I don't, t- I don't want to take anything from anybody. I just want to give and they can give to me. And if people, that's what we have to look out for. Are you giving and are people giving back to you? Cause you can give, but you got to recognize that anything you give, no one's responsible to give anything back to you, mm-hmm. but there are people who will. And that is who you want to look for. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. I, um, you know, I think that's so powerful for eights. And I think there's so many other types who are going to benefit from that mm. specific word. I just think it's so important. Um, mm. Kevin, where, like, what can people do with you right now? Like, how can people work with you? How can they connect to mm. you? You have a book. Can you yeah. tell them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, year ago um actually it'll be a year on the 30th um uh i published my first book it's called bad theology kills undoing toxic belief and reclaiming your spiritual authority and i talk about my journey as a queer person of faith as a queer christian how i you know got over all the the shitty theology and how i finally figured out how that how to love myself a little more uh if people, I also, in my um, Patreon community, I'm shaping it kind of into um, kind of a spiritual community in some way where I'm really pouring in a lot of my teachings around, uh, you know, spiritual practices and healing from trauma. We've also got game nights and like, we're actually building community. It's a really fucking cool thing. So that's available. And then I also do uh, a group coaching program called spiritual reformation where i work with small groups and one-to-one with people 
to help them get over their spiritual hangups to like really just move, like finally move beyond, you know, their triggers and Mm -hmm. their sadness about what they've lost and figure out how am I going to create a spiritual practice that is going to lead me back to joy, back to hope, back to peace and contentment. Um, So we do that together. It's the best thing I do. I fucking love it. And if you, uh, yeah, you can also follow me on the social media at the Kevin Garcia. Um, but yeah, contact me, send me a DM. I've got one of the, I've got a phone number you can text me at, but just, just go to my, go to my page, text me there. You'll find all my shit on my website. <laughs> yes, definitely go to Kevin's website. It is stunning. And Thanks, Squarespace. <laughs> Non-spun. Like, I like want to print it out and hang it on my wall. It's like so pretty. Say that one more time. The first photo of you, like with the wink, is just spot on, perfect. Thank you, my friend Caleb Daniel. Um, he's at shot by CXD on Instagram. Uh, he's a really phenomenal photographer here in Atlanta, and it's such a fun shoot with him. Um, are you ready for a rapid fire question? You baby, do you? Okay, um, this is the theme song. It's different every time. Listen, I think that you should get into writing jingles for every. There's actually um, I was on a I was on a different podcast and they actually write a little like pop ditty for every single one of their guests. It sounds like a shitty pop song. It's so funny. Oh my gosh, so, that's amazing! So when they said that, I said, "I hope you guys don't ever expect me to do that for you because it's not going to happen." That is not going to happen. But I admire I admire their energy and their yeah their fervor their fervor. Um, <laughs> Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay, first book that comes to mind. Uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm, good one. Favorite song? Uh, uh, now here you go again. You say uh, you want your freedom, uh, which is um, Fleetwood Mac. It's very Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. That's, the... That's my favorite too. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, something you wish people knew about you. I wish people knew that I want them to ask me out because I'm really tired of being single and I, I don't want them to be intimidated by me. I'm a really nice guy. I'm a really cheap date too. I love that so much. <laughs> so ask me out. If you're a single gay male-ish human, holler at your girl. Yeah, yeah. Dream day. What are you doing? Ooh, I wake up around eight o'clock. I, someone's already made me some iced coffee and a pre-roll. And so... I go imbibe, I start doing yoga, I get to meditate for a little bit. And then that person's also made me breakfast. And then we uh, we do breakfast and then probably have sex and then go out for the day, maybe to a place where there are some plants, a nursery, buy a plant or two, uh, go to the park with my dog, eat charcuterie in Piedmont Park on a beautiful sunny day, uh, and then take a nap in the afternoon. Uh, have a light dinner because we're going to go out later with to the place where we're going to eat. I don't know where that is. Ooh, we're going to Golden Eagle because they have the most amazing steak that I've ever had. Mm. So we're going to go there. We're going to eat. We're going to have cocktails. We're going to get a little too drunk. And then whoever I'm with is going to take me home. Hopefully we'll have sex again and then go to bed. That's okay, my perfect day. Ask Kevin out. You have the details of the <laughs> what you're asking him out to yeah this is like listen this could be you for all we know could be you could be you oh my gosh program i'm um all right final question Mm. wait two more questions final meal what are you eating Ooh, 
Uh, I'm eating my mama's chicken enchiladas. Mm. Chicken, chicken okay. enchiladas with uh, with guac and homemade beans. White sauce or red sauce? Ooh, I'm a red sauce girl. At least my mom's recipe is a red sauce. Um, I do have a friend who makes um, a verde sauce that I love. Ooh, but yeah, I'm a red mm. sauce girl. And finally, your food for thought. What can people leave today thinking about? Mm, I want you to leave today thinking about the possibility that you always get to start again. Um, I think that there is like, I, it doesn't have like whatever you're like, whatever you're out there doing like, or not doing like, so what if you've taken, you know, two days, five weeks or however long off the thing, you can always begin again. Like I'm somebody who's like probably the most inconsistent podcaster in the world, but guess what? I still get to begin again. (laughs) You know, I'm like, you know, whether it's a yoga practice or saying, sorry, like, Whatever you want to do, you can do it. Just start today. Stop beating yourself up for not doing it and just fucking do it already. So good. (laughs) So good. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today. It was such a joy to talk to you. I could have done it for 30 more hours. Listen, let's plan a 30-hour retreat, just you and me. (laughs) No, that would be awful, probably. (laughs) Probably awful for both of us. But thank you so much for having me. Like, this was a joy. And I love talking to you. You're such a joy. Right back at you. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye.